welcome back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm joined by Anthony Gonzalez. Anthony's the founder of Murataya Striking and MMA, and he's a world-class striking coach who has been behind the pads and strategy with several top-ranked championship combat sports athletes. He trains a select group of athletes out of Costa Mesa, California, and he's had a hand in preparation of athletes who have had epic battles and fights. Thanks for being here again, Coach. I appreciate you coming back for round two. I've been following your work for a long time, so having you here again is an honor. How are you and where are you joining from today? Doing good. Just here in uh, uh, my home, Costa Mesa, California. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and just to preface it, we've filmed an interview. No. The sound was off. Couldn't get it fixed. So uh, you're the first one who's coming back. So you're my <laughs> second time, first interview. But uh, thanks again for being here, man. Well, you know, for everyone who's been listening and reading here, can you just talk a little bit about your journey into combat sports and Muay Thai and just how the athleticism that you had growing up turned into you becoming a coach? Yeah, I think uh, like just dabbling in every sport I possibly could get my hands on. Uh, have it, I didn't have any older siblings, but I had like older cousins and an older uncle that was four, only four years older than me. So he was like a brother. Uh, and he was extremely competitive and, and dabbled in every sport. So I had to be better than him. Uh, so he was my first competition. And uh, just growing up from there, you know, uh, went on to play high-level soccer and, and, and supplemented my training with, with Muay Thai and, and a little bit of boxing and some combat sports. Never really tried jiu-jitsu or, or wrestling growing up till about like 18, 19 years old. But, uh, yeah, so just after, after sports and kind of going back to school a little bit, I decided that, uh, school wasn't for me. It, I just couldn't be stuck in a classroom, especially my entire life being outdoors or like being competitive, being in a classroom wasn't for me. So decided to, uh, pack my bags and, and dabble in, in some Muay Thai and, and see where it could take me there. And then if it didn't, I could always go back to school. So that's kind of what I did. And then I uh, found myself in gyms like a uh, rain training center down at Alliance and sparring guys like Diego Sanchez and traveling and sparring at BJ Penn and, and doing things like that. And uh, just being around some of the best in the world uh, in, in combat sports and competed a little myself. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm cornering uh, fellow training partners and, and before my career fully got like started in in combat sports, I I transitioned to coaching. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy how that turns in for a lot of people. First thing you're doing it for a workout. Next thing you know, you're training. Next thing you know, you're in fights. But you took it to one step further. You started doing the coaching and the cornering, and you've had the really awesome experience of being with some world-class people in there. You track a pretty select group of students, but can you talk about some of those qualities and attributes that you're looking at a student before you take them in and decide to start training them and coaching them? It's, it's kind of hard to, to pick and choose who, who I train with or, or anything like that. I think it kind of just falls into place sometimes. If, like when I first started, it fell into place sometimes because I was in the same training room as them or anything like that. And you, you have like a, a training partner, like relationship. And sometimes I've had guys that are older than me wanting to get coached by me. So it's, it kind of had a, 
a weird feel to it at first because I'm not that old. And guys who have may ha may have had even more experience in combat sports, but I just could uh, translate what what combat sports brought to the table and transition it into their own game. But now, uh, when I'm coaching people or when I'm working with them, uh, it's definitely kind of word of mouth because, like you said, I don't I don't have a lot that I I put my I don't put myself out there very much. So it's a lot of word of mouth or people hear of me and then they're like, Hey, can I come in and train with you one time? And it's, it's, I, I, I don't say no, uh, but I don't say yes often. <laughs> uh, so if it works out, I'll have them come in and if it works with my time frame and my schedule and, and things like that, I'll have them come in and, uh, talk with them a little bit and see where their, their mindset is on, on where they want to be in their career and in life and things like that and uh if it goes past that then i'll i'll have them hop on a training session with me and see see you like what it is i can work with yeah well one of the biggest things i like to do is look at the part of the conversation that people aren't having and i think most lay fans don't understand the importance of a pad holder there's a, a massive level of skill that goes into that and being able to deliver the long amount of combinations and strategies but can you just talk a little bit about that role that you play holding the pads and coaching the people and that fighter's development and performance yeah um <clears throat> just basically what i like to do especially being a pad holder too it's it i don't I don't like to say I, I hold pads for if they're coming in, hey, we're doing Muay Thai today or anything like that, especially now that I'm fully invested in MMA. I have to put everything into perspective from takedowns to, to knees to clinching to so bring it all together in those pad sessions. Um, but also be being hyper aware of it's not just, all right, we're just going to stand here and hit pads. I make it more of a realistic sparring session and and have them being able to attack but then correcting them in those moments where I, I feel them doing something wrong or being in a wrong movement or wrong place and then giving them different reads. So uh, throwing things back at them so they understand, hey, if you do X, this is what can happen and, and so on. And you've, you've had some really notable names in there with you, Jalen Turner, Mackenzie Dern, Dan Argueta. I saw that you had um, uh, Ashley Evans-Smith in there recently as well. Mm -hmm. How do you tailor your coaching approach to each one of those different fighters' needs and style? Um, uh, a few of them like, have come to me with, like, they, have dis they grew up doing different disciplines with Mackenzie, Jiu-Jitsu, Judo. Uh, Ashley was a really strong wrestler. Dan's a really strong wrestler. Uh, Jalen is a phenomenal striker, and and uh, so so I'll start with like Jalen. Him being a phenomenal striker, uh, my job with him was to basically strip him of the nonsense he was doing during the striking that could put him in a bad position, uh, and start tailoring his game and building his fight IQ to where he doesn't need to get into a firefight. He just picks people apart, turn them more into a sniper. Um, I mean, he could still get into those firefights, and we saw it with the, the Dan Hooker fight that, like, when it, needs to, it, when it happens, he's ready for it, but that's not necessarily what our game plan is going into, into fights. And then 
every camp or in between camp because he trains uh in between camps he'll he'll come to me three or four days a week if not more and then we'll just focus on specific things to get him tailored and and create some muscle memory and get him dialed in um and then just build around that and then slowly add those like elbow spinning elbows spinning stuff back in and if he does it too much i have to pull it back and do those type of things um with Mackenzie, she she carries for for her weight class carries a ton of power and i don't have to worry about her going on the ground um so tailoring her game basically to either initiate a clinch or help her get into those takedown situations and then and then head to ground and pound but now knowing how much power she carries in her hands and her kicks and stuff like that i'm like there's no reason you shouldn't be we shouldn't be able to put away girls so let's focus on 10 like three setups that can give you 10 different pathways and then develop her from there and then dan he's a pressure fighter like get into those pressure situations very close elbows knees uh to the takedown to release from there and finding his strikes and and everything from there so everybody has a little bit different tailoring that they can do but for the most most part my goal is to bring them as a bring them into being whole complete fighters where they can strike and an entire fight or they just use their striking to pressure and get a takedown that was pretty evident in mackenzie's last fight her striking was just on fire and that was such a an epic epic win for her and that that speaks to her development and obviously everyone knows she wanted to go to the ground (laughs) so for her to be able to go in there and and throw some heat like that that's it was definitely i think eye-opening for a lot of fans who've been watching her progress Mm -hmm. and there obviously when you're getting these fighters ready there's this whole kind of mental process that they're having to go through but how do you go through getting these fighters prepared and prepping them even even going into each each individual training session uh, if, for me, it's it's really important to get like a read for, from them or a feel from them. Even stepping onto the mats, I, I can have this sense of uh, what their body's going to give me that day or anything like that. So I kind of tailor, I can have a loose plan of, of what we're going to do that day. But if I can't get the best out of them that way, I'll, I'll figure something out. Uh, and And mentally, so that way mentally they don't feel deflated during a session at all, because I could be teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, they're, they're not ready to receive that information. And next thing you know, it's just, they just leave the session being like, I didn't even want to be here, like, or anything like that. So I, I, I have a plan, but it can go out the window depending on how they feel. And as you know, MMA fighters train two, three times a day. So if, if I'm not getting them at a, at a moment where maybe they didn't have a meal before or, uh, their last, or before they come to me on their training session, they can be fatigued anything like that, or they can only give me 45 minutes of actual hard work or, or attention, then I, I have to make sure that 45 minutes is, is quality work. Like I don't need them just to bang out pads and, and get cardio. They can run for that or, or do bag work. I'm there to give them specific instructions and, and have them ex- execute. It's not an easy thing having to stay fresh, always trying to work through that game plan yeah. and dealing with everything that that yeah. comes up in, in between there. Do you have like an overarching like approach or philosophy in there that helps kind of keep you with your North Star and getting these fighters into the right shape? Uh, I think 
personally, I wouldn't even call it a philosophy because I, I think for me, it's the approach that I take is if it's too strict uh, on things that that fighters tend to to get pigeonholed, right? So I kind of, um, I just said I kind of like to let them have a, a flow through through a training session, and feeling like they're getting the most out of it, and then it's my job to get the most out of them. Um, but philosophically, I'm, I'm a big into reading and doing all those things, and I don't really transition it into a talking process with them or anything like that. And so everything's grounded. I have everything kind of grounded in, in, uh, in specific movements or specific things that I like to do and, and give them like a cornerstone of things. But a philosophy, I kind of feel sometimes can pigeonhole somebody and, and make them feel like, a, like they belong to a cult or something. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to indoctrinate them and get yeah. them drink the cool. Well, I'm sure there's some Kool-Aid that needs to be drank, but uh, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I, I think it's pretty cool that you get to train out a Ruka training center there. And, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'm a huge fan of the facilities and even just the look and feel of it. How did you come to be coaching there and what that's, what has that experience been like? Yeah. Um, like I said, just, just working with, with certain guys, um, even competing, I, I would be able to go in there and spar with, with BJ and, and other, other athletes that were in there. And then as I started coaching, uh, Pat Tenori gave me the opportunity to, to go and take, um, at the time I was coaching Tony Ferguson, take him in there and use the cage and, and have that access to that gym, uh, where not too many people get get to especially at that time when it first kind of was opening it was very very limited as to to who got to go in there and i gotta thank jason perillo too for for allowing that as well because it was definitely as pat built it for him and and bj and and being in that, that atmosphere too it kind of made you raise your level so it's it's a pretty neat spot Pat PM, he's mm -hmm. obviously a legend and uh, epic. His art show was pretty cool, by the way, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you just elaborate a little bit on that influence and role that he's played in your growth as a coach and mentor? Yeah, I think uh, as getting to know him more when we first met to even now, we just talked today for a little bit. Uh, he's just a curator of life, uh, whether it's like bringing in different athletes, music artists, uh, art painters, uh, tattooers, things like that. I, I can't tell you how many awesome people I met because of Pat that, uh, and he makes you immediately feel like family. And when you, when he brings you in and ties you in, he's, and it's on you basically not to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice load to have to bear there. Yeah. I think one thing I didn't talk to you about last time, and mm -hmm. I would really love to get people's, uh, eyes on is the life of being a coach. I think some people might look at it, maybe they glorify it and don't know the hard work that goes into that. But what, what advice would you give someone who was in your position five, six years ago and is working their way into the space and wants to achieve a level that you're at today? Uh, it's not going to come easy and it's not going to come fast. Uh, stay diligent. I think, especially for me too, uh, there's always going to be the old guard that uh, is going to say the things that you're doing aren't going to work until they start working and then they start doing what you're doing. Uh, so if you have a direction, stick to it, but also have a mentor there to, to kind of let you know, kind of guide you a little bit too. Uh, I have to thank uh, another co fellow coach and, and 
guy that was a predecessor to me is uh, Billy Fanua, and uh, he kind of taught me kind of to have a little bit more vision of things and don't get stuck in in what has been done. And like I told you before, I'm not reinventing the jab or reinventing new punches or anything like that. But I think it's how I teach and, and how I can control uh, a session that makes a fighter feel comfortable and, and drive through. But yeah, for new coaches, uh, just stick to it, I think. And then you're going to be missing a lot. Like I've missed friends' weddings. I've missed my goddaughter's uh, first communion, baptisms, uh, birthdays, you name it. I'm out of town a lot. And luckily I have like a, a wife that is completely fine uh, handling the household and our son with, without me here. But it definitely can get lonely on the road. But even though you are with people, you're not with your family. And then uh, I separate my 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 fight life and my family life completely differently. Like I don't really necessarily like hang out with a ton of fighters or hang out like in the, like I'm not out at fights unless I'm working. And then, but when I'm in the gym, I give it my full focus. So that way I don't get, I don't get diluted by, by all the fighting. I can, I can kind of separate it. Well, you can only saturate yourself so much, yeah. even just myself, as much as I watch and read and listen, sometimes I have to like take a step back as a fan too. And obviously mm -hmm. in the business as well too. So that's good having that kind of life separation as well. Just wrapping it up. What, what's on the horizon for you? What's on the horizon for your fighters? Is there anything that you kind of want to cue the people into that's happening in your life? Uh, yeah. Um, fight wise, uh, this month we got, uh, Dan Argetta. Uh, he's fighting September 23rd. Uh, it's out in Vegas at uh, the Apex. Um, that sh that'll be a, a good fight for him. I'm excited for him. We just had a really good training session today. And then uh, I've been working with uh, Danny Silva. He's uh, fighting on Contender Series a few days later. Uh, I think it's the 25th. So he'll be, he'll be in the cage trying to get that contract. Uh, Mackenzie just signed her contract for uh, Jessica Andrade on uh november 11th on the john jones card so that should be a good one we'll travel out to new york and get a w on that one and get her a little closer to uh to a title uh, and then um ruka is no longer a gym so it is uh it was the company was sold and and kind of uh, the new company that came in and bought it said no more to the gym so that chapter in life is is over so uh, i'm currently in the process of uh looking and and uh opening up my own gym so to to develop a little bit more of a fight team and i'll have some coaches uh that that i trust kind of in there to to bring up the younger guys and then work with me with guys that are that are already established in, in the scene well congratulations yeah. ruka's epic Oh, and it'll be a part of history for the people that mm -hmm. have come through there with Jason and yourself and Pat. So that's uh, the bummer to hear, but also it's a, one of those things too, where it's onto the next step, yeah. right? It's elevation force right. elevation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, hopefully I'll, I'll see you out there in November. Uh, should be out there in New York, but really awesome. 
so thankful for having you again today, man. Appreciate you doing this because it was so valuable and I was so bummed that the sound wasn't working. I was uh, ready to dang. pay people a couple hundred bucks to get to work. <laughs> and even, they, even then, they're <laughs> yeah. Once again, man, thanks for being here. Uh, this is going to be great and super helpful for people. I'm looking forward to seeing what you and the team do next. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks again, brother. 